and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to yours. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. How many of you uh, ever saw the movie City Slickers? Oh, yeah. Okay. There's a memorable scene in that movie where Mitch, who is played by Billy Crystal, is talking to Curly, who is played by Jack Palance. And Curly says to Mitch, do you want to know the secret of life? And Mitch says, sure. And Curly says this. Remember that? This. And he says, the secret to life is your finger? And he said, no. It's one thing. And Billy Crystal says, what is that one thing? And Curly says, well, that's for you to find out. (laughs) And by the end of the movie, Billy Crystal has come to his own conclusions for himself, at any rate, what that one thing is. What is that one thing that's the secret to life? Well, there's one thing that the Word of God tells us that we should do. One thing that's important for us to do in life, and you'll find that in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians 3, and verse... Well, let's start and let's get some context here. Um, In verse 12, Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. In verse 13, it says, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. That's one thing in life that is important for us to live life with success. To live life that's meaningful. To live life that's purposeful. To live life that is abundant. In order to be happy in life, in order to be fulfilled, to have peace, to have joy, we need to also do that one thing. That one thing being forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. 
The way that we forget the things which are behind is while we do reach forth to the things that are before. Because either you can dwell in the past or you can live life right now reaching forth to the things that are before us, meaning in this context, the hope. To say it another way, we are to live each day for God. To live each day with our eyes on the hope, with the realization that in life, we are living for that goal of that day when we are going to stand before the Lord to be judged, to be rewarded for how we've lived life. That's the context of this. And we'll back up here to verse 1 to understand this greater. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Do what? Rejoice in the Lord. It's always right to rejoice. It's always right to rejoice. And if we're going to rejoice, we can't be living and dwelling in the past. We'll keep going. Verse 2, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. There were some people that put their confidence in the flesh. Those that were of the circumcision were people that put their confidence in the flesh. And meaning all of their worldly status, all of their five senses credentials, all of the things that the world would say would make somebody to be important. That's what the circumcision was all about. The ones that were coming around him and telling people that they had to do certain things in order to be accepted by God. There were people that put confidence in their physical birth, the status of their birth and who they were and so forth. But Paul said that they were the circumcision which worshiped God in the Spirit and rejoiced in Christ Jesus and had no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness, righteousness which is of the law, in the law, blameless. And I've taken the time at other times to go through and break each one of those down, but all I want to show you at this point is these are all the criteria that people were judging one another by. For our society and our culture, people judge one another according to how wealthy they are according to how important their job is, according to how many degrees they have, according to where they live. There are all these things in our culture that are the measure in, in many people's eyes of just what your worth is, how important you are. And because of that, people live to achieve those different goals. People from the time they are little kids have it driven in them 
that you've got to be successful. And if you want to be successful, starting here in, in first grade, you've got to work hard so that by the time you get to high school, you'll be in advanced classes. And when you're in advanced classes, you have to work hard so you can get into the right colleges. And you have to have the right degree. And you have to go to the right institution. And then you have to get hired at the right and prestigious company. And you have to have a certain type of career so you can make a certain amount of money so you can live a certain lifestyle. All of these things are the measures of worth in people's eyes. And all of these things are the things that people work hard. This is what they work for. These are the goals that they pursue. These are the things that are important to most people. Paul looked at all those things that were comparable in his society. All those things that other people judged him by, that other people would put confidence in. And he came to a conclusion about it. <laughs> in verse 7, he said, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. All those things that he had once worked hard to achieve, that once meant so much to him, that still meant so much to other people, all of those things that were gained to him at one time, he considered to be loss. He considered them to be nothing. He considered those things to be insignificant. Yea, doubtless, verse 8, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but what? Dung. dung. You know what dung is? <laughs> yeah. Horse manure. Horse manure. You know, which I haven't told it for a while, so I'll tell it, you know. Um, it was one, Harry Truman, <clears throat> one of our presidents, the one after Roosevelt, um, he was known for his plain speech. He was very well known for his plain speech. And, and, you know, he was a simple man from a simple background. And once he was giving a speech at a woman's auxiliary club or something like that, and his wife was seated in the audience, and during the speech, he said, horse manure. And the woman sitting next to his wife said, can't you get him to say something other than horse manure? And she said, it's taken me 20 years to get him to say horse manure. <laughs> well, whatever you want to call it, Paul said it was but dung. It was but a pile of manure, or you might call it something else. None of it mattered. It wasn't worth anything. It wasn't worth anything compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What he gained through that was so much greater. That's what was important. That's what he saw and realized was really important in life. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a decent education or a nice job or any of those things. It's not a matter of those things being wrong. It's a matter of what, what they represent to you. Is that what's your measure of worth? Is that how you look at other people? Is that how you judge? Is that the standard? Is that what life should be all about? Or is there something greater? Paul considered there was something greater. 
verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What he was interested in now was the righteousness of God, not his own righteousness, not his own self-worth, not what he did for himself, but what God did for him in Christ. That's what was important. That's what, that is what mattered. Verse 10, that I may know him that he may know him. That's what was important, to know Christ, to really have that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and through him as well to know God. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead referring to the gathering together. That he wanted to know him, looking toward that hope, that hope of Christ's return. That's what he lived for. That he lived life looking towards that final prize, that final goal. And that he lived life like it was a race. And it talks about this in many other places in the Word of God. Our life now is a contest. It's a, it is a contest. It calls it in different places a race, a battle, a contest. All of these different things, but life is that. And we have an, an opponent, an enemy, an adversary. And so sometimes that, that contest is one that is filled with some opposition and some things that are tough. But in life, we pursue we reach forward, we reach toward that goal of standing before God, being able to be rewarded for how we've done. That we can stand before God and be proud of the life that we've lived. That we can stand before God and be rewarded for all that we've done right. Verse 12 says, Not as though I had already attained, not as though he had already obtained that victory, not as though he had already arrived, in other words. Either were already perfect. He knew he wasn't perfect. He knew that as much as he worked at trying to do his best, there were places where he fell short. And it wasn't that he considered himself to be perfect, but that he would give his all to keep working toward it. But I follow after, and that word follow after is to pursue, to pursue with everything you've got, to chase after it. This is what you really go for in life. What is it that you really go for in life? What is it that's worth all of your energies? What is it that's worth striving for, to be ambitious for, to really work toward? Is it just financial reward? Is it the status in the community? Are these the things that are worth really striving for? Not to Paul, not to anybody that really stands on God's word, but rather toward that final prize. I follow after, continuing verse 12, if that I may apprehend, if I may gain that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus, that which I've gained through him. 
Brethren, there's the context of this, I count not myself to have apprehended. I count not myself to have arrived, to have already got it all. But this one thing I do, forgetting these things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He pressed toward that mark. You know, a runner in a race, he presses toward that finish line. And, and you actually, you know, when you're getting to that tape that's crossed the finish line, they throw their chest forward. They're actually pressing toward that mark. You're pressing toward that goal, that finish line. And you always run that race with that finish line in mind. In this race of life, we look forward toward that time of the return. And we forget about the things that are behind. You know, for Paul, he, that was important for him to do. Some of what he forgot about that was past, other people would consider to be really worthwhile, those things that he just named. And those things that he said didn't any long, no longer meant anything to him. But some of what he had to forget were those actions he had taken that were not things he wanted to think about. Terrible actions. Because at one point in time, Paul had not lived a life that was so commendable. He thought he was doing the right thing, but he wasn't. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, which is actually also the context here, is also in the, talking about the hope. In 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 8, And last of all, he, speaking about Jesus Christ, was seen of me, Paul, also, has one born out of due time. He's just listed in the verses previous to this all of the resurrection appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the people he appeared to after he was raised from the dead how he saw Peter and how he had saw the other apostles, how he had seen these guys. And it goes through this whole list of all the people that he had seen. And then last of all, he said he was seen of Paul. He was seen of him in a vision on the road to Damascus. Verse 9 says, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet, not fit, not adequate, not worthy to be called an apostle. Why? because I persecuted the church of God. Paul said he was the least of all the apostles because he wasn't even fit to be one. Why? Because he had persecuted the church of God. Paul thought he was doing the right thing. In fact, it's one of the same things that we read about back in Philippians. One of the, one of the measures of his, his zealousness concerning zeal, persecuting the church. <coughs> He thought this was a good thing he was doing. He thought the Christians were overthrowing the faith, the faith of Judaism. He thought that they were against the law, that they were working against it. And he thought that anybody that was following Jesus Christ was a heretic and one worthy of being put to death. And so he was going into people's homes and dragging them out of there 
putting them in chains, consenting unto their death. That's what Paul was doing. And then one day, the Lord Jesus Christ appears to him on the road to Damascus, and he finds out that he's been working against God rather than for God. Now, I want you to just stop and think about that for a minute, forgetting the things which are behind. Do you have anything in your life that, you know, if you look back on, gives you pain? Do you have anything in your life that you might regret? You know, I certainly do. And I never understand the people that say, I have no regrets. And they must mean it in a different context than what I take it as. Because all I can think about is in 1 John where it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If any man says he hath no sin, he is a liar. I certainly have, I, you know, have I done anything to regret? Well, that's, if I've done anything wrong, I regret doing it. <laughs> that's just, to me, logical. You know, there's lots of things I regret. There's lots of situations that I wish I'd handled that differently. There's lots of times where, boy, if I had that conversation to have over again, I wouldn't have said that. If I was in that situation again, I would not have allowed myself to react that way. If I was in that place again, I wouldn't have done that particular thing. And I think anybody that's honest has to have that same recognition, that same realization. But boy, no matter what it is that you did, I'll bet you that it doesn't compare to what Paul did. And yet, he was forgiven. He was forgiven. He was able to put that in the past, and he needed to put that in the past. He needed to put that behind him. He needed to forget about it so he could move on. To just forget it. Forgetting those things which are behind. None of it matters. Every day is a new start. Every day is a fresh start. Literally every moment is a new beginning. All we need to do is choose to make it that way. And that's what God wants us to do, to forget those things which are behind. Whether you think they were wonderful or whether you think they were lousy, forget the past. Live for today. Live for today. In Luke chapter 9, In Luke chapter 9, there's some people that come to Jesus Christ and say that they want to follow him. And he gets them honest about whether they really want to follow him or not. And one of those is in Luke 9, verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. I want to follow you, but first let me go home and and say goodbye to everybody. Now, there's more to this than what meets the eye. This isn't just, I simply want to say goodbye. What the Orientalism be in this would be that he would actually, this would mean that this person wants to kind of make sure that everything is all set and everything's all in order and you know there's just the right perfect time and there's no other responsibilities in all of that first and Jesus said unto him 
No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. <laughs> you want to follow me? Then follow me. Don't look back. Don't look back. You know, if you were, if you were plowing where, where you had to actually put your hand on the plow, well, still, if you plow with the tractor, um, if you look behind you, you know, while you're plowing, pretty soon when you do that, you look after a while, you look back, and what you're going to see is that what you've been plowing, it looks like this instead of nice straight rows. And you can't move ahead. You can't move directly ahead. You can't move in a straight line if you're always looking back. That's the point. You can't move in a straight line ahead forward if you're always looking back behind you. We look toward what's in front of us. We look toward that hope. Look at Matthew chapter 6. And in reaching forth for that, we not only have to forget about the past, but we have to not worry about the future. And that's the lesson here in Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, yeah, I think we got the time. Let's go to verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, worldly riches. Anybody ever um, have a job where you had more than one person giving you orders? (laughs) That's a fun thing, isn't it? I told you to do this. Well, he told me to do that. Well, I don't care what he told you to do. I told you to do this. You know, you got to choose who you're going to listen to in those situations when you got two masters and both want you to do something else. You got to hold to the one and despise the other. Here it says you can't serve God and worldly riches. You can't serve God and the things of the world. You got to choose. You've got to choose what's important. Therefore, I said to you, take no thought, and that word thought, doesn't mean don't ever think about it. It means anxious thought. It's the, it's the word that's also translated carefulness, or um, it means anxiety. It means stress. Okay, Don't be all stressed. For your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body that more than raiment? Don't worry about all these things that people are so worried about. You know, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How am I going to get the money for this? How am I going to get the money for that? And boy, back then, you know, at least there they were worrying about essentials. <laughs> you know, it was, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Nowadays, it's, you know, oh my goodness, how am I going to get this new iPhone? And oh my goodness, how am I going to get this new contraption or this fancy car or all this other stuff? Right? That you don't even need to live. People think they can't live without it, but I got a surprise for them. They can. You could actually live without so much. And here, even with the things that are essential, the Lord said, Don't take any anxious thought for it. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? If God can take care of the birds, aren't you better than a bird? You know, a pigeon that, you know, 
does nothing but make dung on statues? <laughs> You're certainly better than that. You're certainly more important to God than a bird, and yet he takes care of even the birds. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God, well, I'll just read it. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little what? Faith, Faith little believing. If God can take care of the grass of the field, what about you that are of such little believing that you would get all stressed about it? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. <laughs> you don't want to be like them. For your heavenly Father knows that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Keep God first and his righteousness, and he'll take care of all the rest. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Don't worry about the future. Just live for today. Forget the past. Don't worry about the future. Live for God. A wonderful saying is, there's no past to be regretted. There is no future to be feared. But the future is as bright as the promises of God. We just live for today. We live for today. We live in the eternal now. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. Now we are sons of God. Now we can live life for him and give all that we have to serve him, and he will take care of the rest. God bless you. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.